Chapter 13 The Missions of Divine Love Creation appears to us as an almost infinite universe, and yet its coming into existence changed nothing in God, added nothing to God, who is able to create worlds in infinite number. It is impossible for us to know exactly what God truly is, but how extraordinary it is that revelation has allowed us to know that there are three persons in God. God is alone as God, but he is not alone as person. There are three persons in God. God loves someone insofar as he can, to the degree that that person is lovable. God loves himself much more, therefore, than he can love us, who are such limited creatures. By loving himself, God begets a person like himself. It is truly extraordinary. These are the processions in God. We understand better why all creation is also like these processions, an effect of the love of God. The missions of our Lord and that of the Holy Ghost are also the effects of the love of God for us. The first effect of divine love outside God, the first mission of love, was creation. By our Lord especially, by the Word, all was created, but also by the Holy Ghost. Genesis 1-2, Judith 16-17 The result of this mission of love is that God created the world, and by the fact that we are created, we also have been sent. We too have received a mission. This mission is neither more nor less than a part of the Word's mission, an infinitesimally smaller part, of course, as we are so little in comparison to the Word. Conscious of the fact that we have a soul, we have a known mission to fill, a mission of love. It is the same movement of charity that sends our Lord and that sends all creatures, material creatures without consciousness and spiritual creatures, with it. We are conscious of the love that abides in us by God and by which we must walk. Everyone has a mission on earth, if only everyone. To think that God has created us, intelligent souls, endowed with will, conscious of the mission that we have to carry out on earth, compels our admiration. Even if it is just a tiny mission, which seems insignificant to the eyes of men, it is a mission that has been willed from all eternity by God, in the person of the Word, and in union with our Lord Jesus Christ. This thought fills us with wonder. We can now attempt to define the mission of the Son. It supposes a prior state, or rather, an eternal one, in which the Son and the Father are together in such a way that they are both distinct and consubstantially united. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 1 I and the Father are one, says our Lord. Then one must take at full force the statement, I came out from God. John 16, 27 
It means not only the eternal procession of the Son from the Father, but also the mission of the Son in time. Quote, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. John 16, 28. In the first instance, the word come out shows the relationship of origin which constitutes the person of the Son. In the second, it designates the incarnation, which is the mission of the Son. This is what St. Augustine explains, commenting on these words. He came out from God as God, as equal, as only Son, as the Word of the Father, and He came to us because the Word became flesh in order to dwell amongst us. His coming is His humanity. His permanent state is His divinity. His divinity is the end towards which we are making our way. His humanity is the way that leads us there. That is why He has come to us without leaving God. His mission is such that the Son is not separated from the Father, and He is able to say, I and the Father are one. John 10.30 Jesus Christ and the Son who is sent are one and the same. As St. Augustine says, He comes with the one from whom He comes forth. We have read several affirmations that the Father is the author of the mission, and there are more. Jesus often uses the expression, The Father sent me. This supposes that the Father is the principle of the Son, but given that the Son loses nothing of his oneness with the Father, with whom he enjoys complete equality, mission does not imply superiority. No more so, says St. Cyril, than a hearth would have to the heat and light that comes from it. The idea of a mission, moreover, makes known the ministry of the Savior, Jesus Christ, which comes from the love of God. God is charity, and His mission comes from the love of God who wishes to save the world. Once again, it is St. John who admirably expresses this. For God so loved the world, as to give his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him may not perish, but may have life everlasting. For God sent not his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world may be saved by him. John 16, 17-18 If only men could understand this plan of love on their behalf, when one thinks of how few there are among men who live this great mystery of the love of God, and without knowing the mystery of the Holy Trinity, and the mission of love of our Lord Jesus Christ, the reality of the Incarnation, of the Redemption, of the Cross by which we have been saved, one realizes the importance and the immensity of the task that belongs firstly to priests, to missionaries. By the Cross, we unite ourselves to our Lord in order to re-enter God, from whom we too have gone forth by creation. Creatio est aniquilo sui et subjecti, theology teaches. Creation is from nothing, both in itself and in the subject, 
which is to say that creation supposes the nothingness of the thing and the subject capable of receiving it. Thus, before creation, there was neither sea nor earth to support it. There was nothing but God alone. God was, but we were not at all. Thus, we have been made out of nothing by God, which is not God's case, who was not created. He is always. He is. This sums up the radical difference between God and us. By the fact that we have been created by God, we emanate, so to speak, from his hands. We have come forth from the love of God. We cannot be anything else than love. Those who lack charity are denatured. It is against nature not to be love, so to speak. When we act selfishly for our own satisfaction, to please ourselves for our pride or self-love, it is against the end for which we have been created, and even more, for which we have been redeemed. We must constantly strive to focus on love and orient ourselves according to the purpose for which God willed to create us. This is the basis of our spiritual life. For to the degree that we do not sufficiently love God or our neighbor, we are denatured. This estrangement, clearly, is the result of sin, which has sown within us the spirit of disobedience, of defiance, and alienation from God. Having been redeemed and having received the Holy Ghost, the love of God, during baptism when the priest said, Depart from this soul, unclean spirit, and make way for the Holy Ghost, we must make way for the love of God, which should reign in our souls. It is necessary to keep this love, and clearly this is the difficult part of the spiritual life. The consideration of love casts a real light on what we are, whence we have come, and whither we are going. The love which orders us to God must have as its object self-donation. This is done firstly by giving oneself to God. Even when we give ourselves, so to speak, to our neighbor, it is always for God and in God. Ultimately, there is but one love. There are not two loves, one of God and one of neighbor. The formal object of love is God, and that of the love of neighbor is identical. It is still God. There are two material objects of love, God and neighbor, but there is only one commandment, to love God. We love our neighbor to the degree that he comes from God, or that he is going to God, or is attached to God. It is only in this perspective that we can and that we must love. We do not have a right to love our neighbor in so far as he separates himself from God by sin. We can only love him because he is a creature who comes from God and who is destined to return to God, and because God is in him or so that God be in him, by grace. That is why we should love those who have received grace more than those who have not. We must love the others in order to give them God, because it is God whom we love in our neighbor. We do not love our neighbor for himself, but we love him for God. 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Luke 19.18 Matthew 19.19 Everything is taken up in this current of charity and love. This is the grandeur and beauty of our lives. <laughs>